0: Welcome to MAPS Journey. Today's episode is dedicated to those who may be considering therapy for minor attraction and are searching for support and understanding. We know that seeking therapy for minor attraction can be a difficult and often misunderstood journey. That's why we're here to provide a safe and supportive space for those who may be struggling with these feelings and seeking help. Our goal is to break down the stigma and shame surrounding this issue and offer hope and inspiration to those who may be considering therapy. In this episode, Elliot and Todd Nickerson will share their stories, offer insights, advice, and provide a source of comfort and encouragement for those seeking therapy for their attraction. They will discuss the importance of finding a therapist who understands and is sensitive to their needs, the challenges they faced along the way, and how therapy has helped them better understand and manage their feelings. Whether you're a minor attracted person seeking therapy or just someone looking to gain a better understanding of this issue, this episode is a must listen. Join us as we offer a hopeful and inspiring look into the world of therapy for minor attraction. Hey Todd, how's it going?
1: Good. How are you, man? Good. I, you
2: know, had a bunch of different emotions today, but other than that, I'm doing all right. Well, as I said in the intro, we're going to uh, talk about our experience with therapy and uh, how, you know, good and bad experiences we had um, and how the therapist... Treated us as being minor attracted. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, want to start out about like your first first experience with a therapist that knew you were minor attracted?
1: Sure. Um, so I've actually had a few different therapists that I've talked to uh, since since coming out as a map. Although the the uh, the first one that I dealt with was in Michigan, and I, I was I lived there during a winter uh, for a few months during the winter uh, not long after I got started getting harassed by perverted justice and uh, that those that bunch of vigilante hooligans and I um, I ended up going to stay with cousins for a little bit and I uh, like they talked me into getting treatment so I'm like, okay, so I got treatment during the time I was there and the guy was that I had, he was he was pretty actually pretty accepting. Probably of all the counselors I've had, he was probably the most accepting. And uh he was like pretty pretty tolerant. And he's like, I'm not gonna change your attractions, I'm not even gonna try. And
2: had he, had he ever dealt with anyone who was minor attracted before? You know, I don't know.
1: I don't know. I never asked him, or if I did, I've forgotten. But he seemed like he was pretty, if if not completely knowledgeable, then at least experienced. And he he wasn't awkward. Like I've had counselors that were awkward about it, mm-hmm. and I'll get to that those in a minute. But um, then after I you know, I only lived there for a few. M- months and then i came back here so all the counselors i've had since then have been here and then the se- like the second counselor i had actually wasn't tr- being it wasn't there to be treated for pedophilia specifically it was f- it was to deal with depression which is something i deal with off and on especially after it was after, right after my grandmother passed away who i was i was very close to and he was the awkward one like He's like, I'm not. I'm not gonna try to change you, but he's got. My, I don't really understand this issue very well, and he's kind of made it up uh, known up front that he that he was kind of uncomfortable with it. And he's he asked me, is it gonna be a problem? Because we treat kids here, and I'm like, what? Well, it won't be a problem. And I'm thinking, well, you think I'm gonna attack a child in the lobby or what? <laughs> you know, and that's that's the kind of level. Even if I was inclined to abuse kids, which I'm not, I'm not stupid. I wouldn't you know, attack a kid right in front of people. I yeah. would, but yeah, people, uh, I don't know why people. It's th- they think we're dogs that can barely restrain ourselves or something.
2: Yeah, so it's the same as every other attraction. No, you don't. People who are attracted to uh, age-appropriate people. Uh, opposite mm-hmm. sex or same sex they don't go jumping on everyone well there are a few people but yeah you know they, it's they, people who, they have they have other issues
1: <laughs> right and that oh that's what i was going to say is that any sexuality or any cross se- segment of society has people who deal with with uh, self-control issues and i'm that's that's true of our group too there are people but it's it's the minority like most maps are able to control themselves fine. In my experience, I've, I've known probably thousands of maps in the time that I've been online as a, as a map activist and you know, the vast majority of them are fine. Like there's very few of them are people. I mean, there's, I don't know. I can't always know what people are doing uh, in, their, in their private life because most of those people are anonymous. But, from what i can tell they, they're fine i mean i i've known them for years if they were they were doing something like that they would be in jail right yeah.
2: Yeah. So, so like yeah we uh did uh I was going to say a little bit about my first experience yeah, yeah. so for me um, like after i came out to my family my brother mom and dad my brother instantly thought that I needed to seek counseling for it. He thought that, I don't know if he thought I was a danger or what, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I've been dealing with this for upteen many years and nothing's happened. I don't think I'm any type of danger, but, but because I was finally happy that I could actually talk about it, I you know, I gladly accepted the counseling. So he set it up with the therapist that he currently was seeing that I would fly out to the city he lived in and um, have like a week-long intensive with that counselor. And the good thing was that she already knew the reason I was there, so I could be honest and upfront right away. But the problem, what I realized soon after talking to her, she was knowledgeable on the subject, but she was more knowledgeable on treating offenders so, basically, she did what I have heard the Dunkelfield project does where they treat offenders and non-offenders the same and teach them like victim sympathy and um, and appropriate boundaries and stuff like that and that's like what she really tried to focus on with me on it and then also she dealt helped me deal with my uh my porn addiction and so that that was a good thing, because after that, I like kind of went cold turkey right away uh, off my addiction. I didn't have any really support. So, so it was good to have at least her to talk to. And she helped build my self-esteem and stuff like that. But I the main issue I had with her was she ended up being more about the money than actual help. I, I couldn't pay for her myself so my dad was willing to help pay and at first she was well we need to do two phone sessions a week because it would be better if we could be in person but since you live in a different city we need to talk as much as possible so let's do two a week and then when my dad asked if we could start maybe only doing one a week I approached her about it she's well I understand Uh, we'll see what we can work out and then it got to the point where my dad couldn't even afford one a week. He's so he's can you do it twice a week, and it, it's so. And then eventually, when I canceled one session because my dad had lost his job, um, and I, I canceled within the the required amount of time, like the forty eight hours or whatever, she never responded, and I never heard from her again. And and so, she really made me not want to seek therapy for a long time and so so there was good good and up and down um but um the second the main counselor that I've talked about in other um sessions um I mean other podcasts she she had no training at all and so it took probably two to three months for me to feel comfortable talking to her and she kind of was like your second therapist too where she was like is this going to be a problem i can't really help you in this and the one time i you you mentioned the whole jumping a kid in the lobby type thing um there was one time when i'm sitting in the waiting area and there was a family sitting in there Mm -hmm. and when she came and got me and we got into the her office she's was that a problem for you no (laughs) it's it's just i there's kids everywhere i can't avoid them yeah and but so but she really helped me with dealing with self-doubt and um, all that so we barely ever focused on my minor attraction at all
1: yeah well it's it's uh it's funny talking about the money issue because you know i'm extremely poor so every counselor that i've seen i had to get uh, for free. I can't, you know, I, I can't afford to pay for counselors. And I always, I always laugh when I, uh, I see people, uh, go, you need to get therapy. You need counseling and you know, uh, get us get behavioral. Th- and I'm like, are you going to pay for it? Cause I, can't. it's, yeah. uh, you know, I like, what do they expect me to pull money out of my behind? I, you know, I can't afford that. And you know, honestly, like I don't need it anyway because uh, I'm not gonna try to. I don't have a behavior, quote unquote, to change. It's, it's a it's a sexual sexuality. It's a it's an attraction pattern. It's not a choice. It's not something that I act on. So it's what are they gonna change? There's nothing for them to change anyway. And uh, they, the only thing they could do is uh, try to uh, conversion therapy the way they do it sometimes with gay people. But I just read an article today. Uh, funny, funnily enough, this guy who'd been doing conversion therapy for like 20 years came out as gay. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just dumb. It's, uh, some of the, some of the ignorance that people have about this. And, um, you know, the other thing I was going to say in terms of, um, Kids in the. I've had. I've. It's rare, but I, I've been there a couple of times when there's been families in the lobby, and I was there. Uh, I was there. Uh, the, probably not the not the last time, but I think it was the time before that. And uh, there was a, a, a. Of course, they were they were boys, so you know and I don't have any attraction to them anyway. But um, usually, when there's kids in the in the lobby, I just try to ignore them but it's kind of hard because uh, they I, like I have a, a prosthetic arm so it kids are automatically kind of curious about that so it's kind of like I've had this, the the, the, the kid the, one of the kids approached me and kind of he didn't talk to me but he just kind of he got within a f- few feet of me and just kind of looked kind of looked me over and I I smiled but it was, you know, I, uh, it was a go away smile you know? like I but uh but I generally, uh, I, I, uh, I generally just ignore, try to ignore kids, and it's not because I, I'm afraid I'm going to act. It's just because I know that people that are there know why I'm there. So it's people in the office they know why I'm there. So I don't want them gossiping. Oh, did you see how he was talking to that kid? It's like, no, I'm not doing that.
2: So, so every every therapist you go see knows it automatically that you're. you're well, your they
1: they, uh, they get my. Uh, my medical history so I guess because the state's paying for it they get they get all of my my history my medical history and I had you know it's it's, it's it was an issue the first counseling thing it was the main issue I went for even though I didn't really think they were going to do it be able to do anything with it when they didn't um, but and then the other one was for depression but I, we, I talked about my sexuality and um, and, you know, that, and, and uh, one thing I want to say, though, about that, the second guy, uh, I think he I think he really kind of like at first he was really very awkward with it. But eventually, I think he kind of realized that there was no reason to be as like I, I came there one time with a friend of mine who uh, occasionally babysat his granddaughter. And, you know, and they were they were sitting out in the car waiting for me. And. Uh, I didn't tell them, i never told them why I, I had those sessions. I just, well, I said, I think I said it was for depression. But, yeah. uh, but you know, I told my counselor, yeah, like, uh, oh, you know, my, my friend, uh, I, I, I need to kind of cut this short because I got my friend waiting in the car and um, he's got his mm-hmm. granddaughter and he oh, how old is the granddaughter? And, well, she's 12 and he just kind of, he let it go and he didn't really make a big deal out of it. And uh, so I think he kind of eventually kind of realized, okay, yeah, he's...
2: He's safe. He's not going to attack any kids. Yeah, that's, yeah, my, my counselor that I really liked, she, she got to the point where she she wouldn't even bring it up unless I did. And, Mm -hmm. um, if there was a time when I was having a particular tough time dealing with it or whatever, like that, we would talk about it. She couldn't really help me. process it other than work through the emotions that I was feeling and stuff like that around it and um, but for the most part she was there just for general support for family drama and I've, I've mentioned it before how my brother and I don't talk anymore and when I was seeing her my brother was still talking to me but he would every so often have major issues because I really think that he thought therapy would cure me or at least make it that I would it have to have it be a primary factor in my life. Uh, I don't know what he honestly thinks. And mm-hmm. I think when I did it go to therapy for a while after that first counselor, I, I felt, I feel like he thinks that I, I didn't want help anymore. And then he, he looked at is that I as a lot of the antis and the trolls say that I was proud of it and I, I wanted it and stuff like that. <laughs> but yeah, but did you have ever have a really bad experience with to the point where you got turned off of therapy for a while? Well,
1: it's, I had one experience where I, I didn't, it's funny cause I didn't actually say anything about my own sexuality. It was before I kind of came out and i can't even remember why i was there i think i think i just had yeah i was i was i was dealing with vocational rehabilitation and the person that i was dealing with they made me submit to a psychological exam as part of the deal Mm -hmm. and uh so i went and talked to this lady and uh my understanding was that I was going to actually see her three or four times. Like it was going to be more than once. And uh, I went there and the, she, one of the questions that she asked me was, had I ever been sexually abused? And I said, well, yes, I, when I was seven, I was sexually abused one time. And I said, I don't, I I don't feel traumatized by it or anything like that. I just said, I said that. And she looked at me long. my hair was on fire (laughs) what why would you say such a thing well he didn't he all he did was touch me it wasn't he raped me or anything and it wasn't at the time it wasn't really i didn't really think about it very much but it was okay it was just an experience i had and then but then and, and she was well I think you're fine. I'm not going to I'm I'm going to sign off on you and I, right after that she just you could just tell that she just did not want to deal with me. Yeah. And uh, I think she was one of those people that believes that sexual abuse is always horrifying and traumatic to every child that experiences it. And just saying that was what? He's crazy. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, it's, yeah, it's funny you say that around, a, well, not funny, huh? I, I guess that's the wrong phrasing, but, um, my worst experience. Funny, not yeah. funny, aha, uh-huh, but funny, like, yeah, experience. yeah, yeah I got you.
1: yeah,
2: my worst experience was, as I was still having those phone sessions with that first therapist, mm-hmm. I, I, I also wanted to try to find some help locally because I, I don't know how many phone sessions you've had. It's not, it's really not the same. You, you do need to be in person with, and at least for me, that I feel like seeing the reaction on the therapist's face is half half of what makes a session successful and profitable or whatever. And, yeah. but anyway, so I was at, my mom and I was going to this local rape rate crisis clinic for uh, dealing with abuse issues and stuff where they would help deal with different things in in regards to sexual trauma and setting up boundaries, different things like that. So it was a free, free clinic. And as we were there, I found out that they had free counseling services during the day. And so I I set up, set up one. Mm -hmm. And so I go and I don't know why I felt that I could just open up about everything that first time, but I did. And I I told, told this counselor about my attraction, uh, and she asked me like, if I had any access to any children at all. And I said, well, I have a younger cousin. And so she's, well, do you have problems being around him and stuff like that and i said no you know, i've actually been a good mentor to him and he, he looks up to me and stuff like that and and she was like, well you know I, I really don't know if it's the best idea to be around him you know try to avoid him as much as possible and i said well he's, he's family so i don't i can't avoid him all the time and so we ended the session nothing really happened and about two days passed And I was at work and I was on my lunch break and I happened to get this phone call and it was the rape places clinic and it was this other therapist and here this therapist that I was talking to wasn't actually a licensed therapist. She was a student that she was putting her hours in and so she had to report to another therapist what 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 she each session she had. Mm-hmm. and so she told this other therapist the one that called me and how through the grapevine type of thing she, she might have misinterpreted how what I said and mm-hmm. so this this other therapist thought that I was a threat to my cousin and was calling to tell me that she was going to report me to CPS and I said mm-hmm. for what and she's well and I said there there's no there's nothing I haven't abused him I you know there's nothing there's no chance and she's well I feel like you're a threat to them and so obviously I was upset and distraught and so I had my my mom call this therapist and explain to her everything and I also called the therapist that my main therapist I was seeing and she told me she's she has nothing to report you on there's nothing there that she could actually legally report and so the therapist don't worry about it nothing's going to come of it and nothing ever did but still Mm -hmm. that was a traumatic thing that's like i think every every minor attracted person's worst fear that if they come out they're gonna be reported
1: yeah and i kind of wonder if sometimes those people thinking they're gonna scare you straight like maybe they thought well, I'll just threaten to report them, and maybe that'll that'll straighten them out. You never know what people think, but uh, but yeah, I've I've heard of cases where people did report on nothing. It's happened, so I don't think you can say that there's nothing. There may be nothing specific to report, but that doesn't stop them from reporting. They can still do it. It's just they don't have any specifics. They can go yeah. on but usually nothing comes of it but yeah i mean it it, it could be that she did report it and the cops w- w- just said well there's nothing here and they just didn't mm-hmm. was not to pursue it
2: yeah well yeah i well if that happened i know that it never even went on foul because i uh for some of the jobs I've had, I had to do criminal background checks and nothing ever showed up. So.
1: Right. Well, they can't, they can't put that on, on any file. If it's, there's no actual legal ramification or any legal consequences to it, to it. You know what I mean? Like if, if it's uh, you weren't ever actually arrested or uh, anything like that, then yeah, they can't put that on, on any legal files. As far as I'm, as far as I know, I think that would be a violation of your, your rights.
2: Yeah. But hey, when it comes to this type of thing, sometimes people overstep their, their boundaries and absolutely. And I, I mean, I completely understand they're trying to protect children and that they deserve to be protected, but like people make rest decisions, I think.
1: Yeah. And the, and the problem is that a lot of people who are, who need treatment, for whatever reason, not just for sexual issues, but for all sorts of issues, are afraid to uh, either seek counseling or to tell their counselor if they have one that they have those sexual attractions be- specifically because of those mandatory reporting laws, and it's a it's a real problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what like what have been your best experiences that you want other therapists to know how how to treat what I think someone like who we had on on our last podcast Teresa if she's someone that I would actually want to see and that that compassion focused therapy seems really suited for minor attracted people
1: (laughs) well I'll tell you um this counselor that I have right now that again I'm in counseling for depression this time or I, I'm in counseling for that, that I had depression at the end of last year, kind of the beginning of this year. Uh, uh, it was pretty severe. So they they automatically enrolled me in counseling sessions. But anyway, the this counselor, she did not, when I first talked to her, the first day was mostly just filling out paperwork. You're probably familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And... I, she didn't say anything about it, so I brought it up because I felt this is going to be an awkward situation if I don't. So I said, "So you you've have my medical history, I assume you've read about my sexual issues and stuff." And she's, like, "Yeah," and she's, "And uh, I, I don't really know a whole lot about it." She says, "But I'm I'm really willing to to learn about it, and if uh, she's like, if you have any." Um resources you can send me. I would love to look at them. So I sent her a few resources and I to- I told I actually talked about Verpet, and I mm-hmm. sent her a link and she like, like she's like, I'd like to look at that. Sure. So I sent her the link to Verpet, and in the next sessions, oh yeah, I, I looked at it. it was it was really interesting. Um, we haven't really talked about the sexual stuff too much. It's mostly been about the depression. Yeah. Um, but I, I liked getting that out of the way. Cause it just, I just wanted to make sure, look, I want to, I want to know how she's going to react to it because it may be tainting these sessions and I may not know it, but she was mm-hmm. very cool. So I'll say that my latest counselor is actually the, probably the best one that I've had. They seem to get successively better and, uh, or, well, I mean the first one I had was pretty good though. So maybe I should, say. but she's, this one's pretty good too. So, um, she's, I like the fact that she was proactive. Like she didn't know a lot about the issues, but she's like, "Well, I'm, I'm going to research it. I'm going to mm-hmm. learn." It. And I think that's something that counselors can take away. It's, uh, if you don't really understand the issue, you don't know about it. Learn about it. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's resources out there now, and uh, we could, you could talk to people who are actually experts in the field, Dr. Cantor, Bailey, people like that. Yeah and talk to those people and, and, and find out some stuff about it. So I I love that. I think that was, that was great. I mean, I, for a general purpose free counselor, because again, I don't, I don't have the money to pay for a, like a specialist or anything. I think she was, she's a very, she was very good. I I really like, and uh, I enjoy talking to her. She's a really kind of a really upbeat person and I really enjoy talking to her.
2: So yeah, that's, yeah, that's, and like, Like That, I think, is important that they're willing to learn. My favorite therapist, she she really wanted to learn a lot. And then also, I found out after I stopped seeing her, because I moved back to my home city, that she actually went back and got training on sexual issues, not just minor attraction. I'm sure there wasn't much on that, but just Mm -hmm. general issues in regards to sexual dysfunction. And I, I don't know if I was the the reason. I'm sure I was at least part of it. So
1: instrumental in yeah. in the decision, yeah. Yeah.
2: And then this this last therapist that I was seeing, I wish I still could see her if I um, get some insurance soon, I, I might go back and start seeing her again. Yeah. Um, she she really like I, I, I mentioned in another podcast where I was able to tell her first session and she had like the reaction that I wanted, like, all right what are the issues you need to work on that's surrounding it and for mm-hmm. me I told her like, the main thing I deal with is the depression the shame the stigma that type of thing and she, well we can work on that and then what's funny I, I was at a local Target and I ran into her and yeah. she had her her two kids with her mm-hmm. and so I just did the like subtle wave to her and then we I walked by yeah. and so the next next session i asked her about us would were you uncomfortable me being around your your kid like why would i be and i i think i had only seen her maybe three times and she already could tell that i wasn't any danger and yeah. she's like i said to her I was like, well yeah. what if i would have said hi or whatever how would you had introduced me to your kids and she's like, oh i would have just said you're a friend from work or something like that mm-hmm. so but and she she was using uh CBT cog- cognitive behavioral and then also I think there's another one she was gonna try using. It was called DBT or something, dialectic. I don't know. It's something that a lot of people who have bipolar disorder are are taught to use. And
1: I, think I, I actually read something about that yesterday, but I don't remember what it is, what it stands for either. But I think it's uh People with um, personality disorders, yeah. have something to do with that. So yeah,
2: in some ways, I could see where where she was going with that, but we never really got to experience that because I had to stop seeing her. So, was there anything else you wanted to talk about uh, about it? Or, um,
1: hmm. no, I guess not. I just wanted to say, uh, yeah, it, uh, the biggest the biggest thing I think for For counselors is just to be open-minded and you can you can always kind of tell the counselors who are the ones who are really good that are open-minded and willing to learn about new issues and those who are uh, they think they already know everything and they they so you can you can kind of parse those people out pretty quickly if you're and uh so yeah i i think the most helpful thing any counselor can and not just for minor attraction but for any issue really is like if they don't know anything if they don't know about it they'll be willing to learn about it yeah, yeah. and
2: then yeah go ahead and i said for me too is we keep on trying to let people know that we're everyday people that we're just like everyone else and i think for me that when i was at that before you act workshop one of the Students asked that was attending asked that question. What what is that? What is it that you need us to do? And I, I just said, treat mm-hmm. us like how you would any other client. And if the, there is an issue you don't understand, just like you said, go out and learn about it. But for the most part, we're going to be dealing with the same things everyone else comes to therapy for. Yeah,
1: yeah, and also because we deal with so much stigma. I think that's a that's probably the biggest issue that we deal with. Isn't struggling with our attractions? It's dealing with the shame and the guilt and the self-hatred and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um. So. And that's man.
2: again. That's where it can be uh, um, compared to other sexualities. I mean, with yeah. people who deal with any other type of sexuality who face that shame and stigma in their own family or religion or whatever like that, it's that same type of thing, so.
1: Right, right, and um, a lot of us are also survivors of abuse, so a lot of those issues are compounded by that, so it's like not only are we dealing with the, whatever, the the stigma of having the sexuality itself, but also you know, the, stig- the, the stigma and the, all the fall out from our own abuse so and uh so yeah it's like those are those are the big issues we deal with so that's that's the thing that's the thing that counselors need to know is um
2: you know you, you mentioning that makes me wonder you, you might know the stats how many people who are minor or attracted have had some type of a sexual abuse in their their childhood like or if it's just a natural born trait or both or wish we could get some more statistics on that.
1: And I think that's, to me, that's going to be, that is going to be probably the, the key issue in understanding pedophilia in the future because what what I've been able to discern is not all maps have suffered sexual abuse. So it's not a magic bullet type situation where you're abused and you become a MAP. And likewise, most people who are abused do not become MAPs. But by the same token, there is a higher level of sexual abuse in the history of MAPs than I think there is in the general population. So there's, I think there's a connection. But I think people, in order to, I think the real thing to to, to understand is that I don't think it's a single cause. I think there's a multitude of factors that come into play. Some of them are maybe genetic. Some of them may be environmental. Some of them may be congenital, like Dr. Cantor says. And personally, I feel like that, even though, yes, I was a victim of sexual abuse, but it was a one-time event and I was not traumatized by it. At the same time, he, uh, Dr. Cantor mentions that Brain wiring is an issue and uh, congenital effects. And given that I was born without my right hand, had to become left handed by default, I think there's something there. And um, yes. he says sex, uh, uh, pedophil- pedophiles and um, maps have a slightly higher percentage of left handedness than the general population, as do uh, homosexuals, by the way. So it's not just maps. So there's something there with, that has to do with brain wiring. And there's something there that has to do with environment. I think those two things come in, are some combination of those two things are what causes sexuality. So I think that's what where the research needs to focus, and that's that's going to be a, a complex thing because people want like a. A single answer like oh that's we can so it's this so we can just change that and that'll no more pedophiles no I don't think that's gonna work no. because I think there there's a combination of factors and I don't think they're all the same for every map it's going to be a different things and yeah it's it's a complex issue and that's I think the thing that researchers need to understand and and look at
2: yeah i I really wish there would be more research. Projects out there. I, I I saw today on on Twitter that before you act started a new a new um, survey type thing where mm-hmm. for maps who want want to become parents or who are parents and stuff like that. So uh, there's research being done with that. Um, right. But yeah, I yeah more research needs to be done. Absolutely. I just I know I just know it's funding and. People who don't want to touch sensitive subjects like this. And, yeah,
1: and that's that's what I was going to say. Is just the fact that because of the stigma attached to this issue, a lot of researchers face an uphill battle getting funding, getting um, clearance from their universities or whatever. It, it, and that's that's a, that's an issue that results in the um, the sparseness of, of good research because. And, and but then the lack of research itself helps contribute to the stigma because there's not a lot of good research out there that you can point to and go see this is what's so it's a it's kind of a catch 22. Yeah. Uh, getting past that's going to be a big cultural, uh, hump that we're going to have to get past because, uh, and, and and that's a lot of that's just I mean, like LGBT people faced it in their time jews uh, like every it seems like every uh generation or every millennium there's a there's a new group that's scapegoated and we happen to be it for this uh millennium or century or whatever you want to say and, and uh
2: for and most people don't think it will ever like people when they hear us talking about this thing they will obviously jump to the conclusion that we want to normalize it that we want to lower the age of consent and all that bullshit and right. it, it it's just uh, i don't know but that's that's a podcast for another time <laughs> but Definitely. so we're once we start bearing off the subject i think it's a good time to wrap it up so sure <laughs> but uh well it was good talking to you and yeah please. so and uh for everyone uh, who's listening to this, uh, again, if you you want to come on as a guest, uh, just contact Todd or I on Twitter uh, DM us. Uh, we're always looking for uh, people to come on and we especially like it too if we can get people professionals who are willing to come on so we' just we're
1: just if I would, if I can just interject something there even if you just have an idea for a show that you'd like to listen to something, you would like us to discuss. Give us suggestions. Yeah. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable coming on, but you you think there's an issue that we need to touch on that we haven't really touched on, or you just have a, a, a an idea of something that would be a, make a good subject for one of these, uh, yeah, just just put it forward and uh, we'll we'll look at it.
2: All right. Sounds good so take care I'll talk to you soon
1: Yeah. bye
0: and that concludes today's episode on seeking therapy for minor attraction we hope that this episode provided some valuable insights and inspiration for those who may be struggling with these feelings it's important to remember that seeking therapy is a brave step towards self-awareness and healing Regardless of the challenges, and stigma that may come with it, the benefits of therapy are immeasurable, and can lead to a more fulfilling life. If you or someone you know is considering therapy for minor attraction, we encourage you to reach out to a mental health professional who can guide, and support you in this journey. Remember, you are not alone, and there is help available. Thank you for joining us today for this insightful and thought-provoking discussion. Until next time remember, listening is understanding.